Welcome everyone to the Max Marzo podcast. We have a fun one today. It's fun. It's, it's a great day. March Madness. Let's go. It's Thursday. It's March 16th. The real games tip off today. We had the first four play in earlier. Um, the games tip off today. I'll talk about some of the games I'm interested in, some things to watch out for, some teams to watch out for, fun stuff like that, because I love the tournament. Um, then we talk a little bit about some performance stuff. I'll talk about uh, sleep and recovery, specifically the idea of using nasal strips, which for myself has been wildly helpful with my sleep, and then some dieting aspects and how that relates to training. And we'll talk about that all in a second. But first, let's get to the stuff that people care about, because we got games today, team. We got games and we have uh, a great. I think this is one of the most exciting March Madnesses. Oh, and I can remember in a long time, not because it's a March Madness that has really good players. Arguably, this is one of the more underwhelming player driven March Madnesses. Now, there are some very interesting teams out there. But what's interesting is that some of the teams with the most talent didn't play well all year and some teams with a lot of talent. Well, I should say with a very good record have sneaky talent, but are ranked low. <clears throat> Oral Roberts cough cough is one of those examples. Even a team like Arkansas, one of those examples where they have blue chip prospect after blue chip prospect. Well, that is Arkansas and just really didn't figure it out all year. But they're still in the tournament and they still got dudes. So let's talk about it. Um, Right off the bat, I want to talk about some games I'm personally interested in just because I love the style of play. We'll talk about some players I'm interested in, and we'll just walk through a little bit of each bracket or each section. So we'll start with the was it the South region here. Alabama's the one seed. Not really interested in that team at all. Be honest with you, good team. I'm sure they'll go far. Not my type of. I don't know. I haven't watched much much of them this year, and they seem to have a fairly fairly decent road. I'm interested in the San Diego State College of Charleston game. Um, apparently, College of Charleston shoots the three ball and shoots it well, which is always. Fun to watch, especially college. I think it's like the always the sexy thing to do is let's pick the team that makes all the threes. Um, I think it works for a half, but if you're a good team that knows how to play defense, you you know how to you know how to lock that up pretty well. The three, actually the the, the I'll call it three three major teams or games I'm looking for in that South region. First one is Virginia versus Furman. Either Virginia is the most underseeded good team, or they're the one of the most boring basketball teams and they just beat you because you just give up the the Duke Virginia halftime score. The ACC tournament, I think was 17 to 24. It was a football halftime score. Virginia at one point in time during the year was ranked very high. I think they were actually near the one seed at the one seed. They hit some stumbling blocks along the way. They are susceptible to an upset by default because their offense and defense are very boring. They play what's called a pack line defense. So they sag off a lot. They disrupt driving to the hoop, but they give up historically some good looks from deep. Um, they're the one, the one seed to ever get beat by a 16 seed. Furman has a lot of love their way. People talking about how they got some dudes who can really play. They also, I believe, play a fairly slow style of basketball, if I'm not mistaken. I could be totally wrong. Um, don't know tons about them, but just for the sake of Virginia and being one of those teams, they lost Ohio 
when it was Justin Preston led Ohio. There was a 13 seed two years ago or a year ago. I think that was the bubble tournament. Um, they obviously lost to the UMBC, whatever that was, the Kangaroos, and they won the national championship the year after. So Virginia is a team I'm watching. Uh, let's scroll down that really quick. Two other games I'm kind of watching, but not really that close. I'm interested in the Creighton NC State team. NC State has some guys. They have two dudes who can fill it up at a high clip. A good big man, but not much depth at all. So if you're watching the NC State game, it really sits on the shoulders of it's Joiner and pulled the other kid's name here. Uh, Smith are two guys who can really fill it up. If they get hot, It'll be interesting. They have a good big man in Burns as well. But Creighton, all in all, far deeper. They have Baylor Shireman, Nimhard. When their big man is playing, they'll. it's a very good team. I'm just excited to watch that matchup because I like watching guards who can get hot, see if they can cause some damage in the tournament. Um, and then we have the Missouri team. Missouri knows how to win. Gates, their coach, just wins. Um, playing Utah State. Who not that Mountain West school? Mountain West did not have a good show with Nevada yesterday. Steve Alford led uh, the Nevada team against Arizona State Hurley's unit. And boy, the Sun Devils beat the daylights out of them. So kind of interested to see Missouri in the Arizona-Princeton game. I'm very interested in that. Now, Princeton plays one of the weirdest brands of basketball I've seen in a long time. Reminds me a lot of the Loyola-Chicago team from years past. I'm not sure if they have the talent that team had, that Loyola Chicago team had. A big man who played overseas in Germany, very good. Crutledge, they had Lucas Williamson, who is a G League guy currently. They have a point guard who could score. They have a couple other dudes in that team. So that was no slouch of a Loyola Chicago team. I don't know if Princeton has that talent, but they run this offense where they call their big man Giannis, and he basically... Not really Giannis. It's probably more closer to Jokic, to be honest with you. Athletic big man, brings the ball to the court, runs a point forward, lots of three-point shots, can kick it out really well. I wonder if he can kick it out against the length of Arizona. It's going to be kind of a big deal there. But well, nonetheless, going to be very fun to watch. Um, curious about it. I mean, it could be an absolute horrible game. Arizona has two good big men. Uh, they have veteran guard. Could they just trounce them? Absolutely. I did go one year to maybe I'm biased. I was in Florida. I don't know what year it was. My brother was a senior in high school. I don't know. 2008 Brandon Knight's team is Brandon Knight's Kentucky team. They played Princeton in Florida. Super random. We just went to this game on a whim, essentially, because my brother had a baseball tournament in this game. Had one. We had tickets to just bought tickets and that his first round. Not many people were there. Princeton should have won that game. They did not win the game. It was like a last-second shot. Brandon Knight hit. I think Princeton missed one before, and then Brandon Knight hits a pull-up mid-range ice it. And I love the Princeton. They don't really, the Princeton offense is great because it's a giant beater offense. It's boring. It's slow. It's lots of back cuts. You're going to control the pace of the game. You have an impatient defense. You got a chance to win. And the reason why I love March Madness is because, unlike the NBA, <clears throat> I should have probably led with this, there is so much diversity in how teams play. The talent disparity is gigantic. So coaching comes into play. And can you or can you not kind of game the system, per se? You're not trying to win every game. You're probably not going to win every game for Princeton. But can you pull one off? And that's the, that's the cool one to watch. Now, 
The next bracket down below, we'll go through this very fast, is the East. A couple of teams I'm looking out for. Memphis, FAU. Memphis, led by Kendrick Davis, another big man, I believe, as well. Uh, FAU has 30 wins. FAU, any team that has 30 wins makes me do a double take. Very interesting, tough 8-9 matchup because Purdue's going to get one of those two teams, and that'll be fun to see. The Duke-Oral Roberts game, <clears throat> it's like the best sleeper, not sleeper game of all time. Duke should not be a five seed. They won the ACC tournament. They have three lottery picks in that team. One of the most talented teams. They suffer mightily early in the year because their point guard played. They had a young guy named Proctor who reclassified. He's like 17 or something. Took over the point guard role with Jeremy Roach. Um, didn't work as well at the beginning, but Kyle Filipowski, good big man. They had a good transfer from Northwestern, who's a big man. Derek Lively, their big man, was number one overall. Uh, Derek Whitehead is a really good prospect as well. So it's a it's a loaded team, but they're going against a, going up against an Oral Roberts team, mind you, that led by Max Abe Smith, who has teetered with the NBA for the last two years. Lights out score, played against some good teams this year. They got blown out by a good team. I forgot who off the bat, Power Five Conference team. They, they just didn't play well, missed a lot of shots. But they have a good big man as well who transferred from Arkansas, leads the nation in blocks or second in blocks, something like that. Top five, we'll just say he's a... Uh, they called him baby Dirk out of Kyle, out of high school, not the shooter that Dirk is, but can step out and shoot the three at seven, five. So that's a super wildly talented five, 12 matchup. I have no idea why it's a five, 12 matchup. A lot of the same guys who are on that original Oral Roberts run are still there. I know at least one of their guards is there. Is it like Jurgens is his last name? I apologize. I got it wrong. He's still there. Interesting matchup. People want to talk about the Tennessee, Louisiana. I know Tennessee is missing a player. Um, people like Louisiana. I know nothing about either team. I'm moving on to the next. Uh, that finishes that bracket. I always look out for Michigan State. Tom Izzo seems to win in the tournament, especially when he's ranked low. Then we'll go to the top right. We got the Midwest. Houston just lost one of their players. Marcus Sasser hopefully gets healthy. Interested to see them play. I think that's one of the most dynamic teams of all of college basketball. Drake versus Miami. Miami had two, well, one big transfer and one big stay between uh, Wong and Nigel Pack at Miami. So that's a really talented backcourt going against a veteran backcourt in Drake where you got Roman Penn who's been there for it's like maybe like his sixth year and Tucker DeVries who's a coach's kid who is a top 100 prospect type guy can really score he's a mismatch he's six seven six eight will post you up isolate you can score in the perimeter I don't know if they're going to sneak up on anyone I think they get a lot garner a lot of respect Miami is really talented but they lost when they're big men and then we have Indiana, Kent State, people talk about that Kent State's going to make a run there. I have no idea. Don't pay attention to it myself. Could be a good game to watch. Then we'll kind of scroll through as well. It's the last West section. Um, Gonzaga, I'm just kind of curious to see how they play out as a whole. UNC Asheville has a kid named Drew Pember. I believe his last name. He's averaged a lot of points. He scored 40-plus in multiple games. He's a transfer from Tennessee down. What's wild about this tournament is you have all these transfer downs as well. So, um, UNC, Asheville, UCLA, UCLA lost their best defender. They have a really good, talented team. Um, I, I, just, I mean, the guy's played against big time schools. He's from the SEC. It'll be interesting to see if he can, he himself can lead the charge. So Drew Pember is one of those guys that keep your eye on. My sleeper team in all this, just so everyone hears it off the bat, is UConn. I picked UConn to win it overall in my brackets. Iona's a tough team. <laughs> the fight in Rick Patino's there. UConn is one of the most talented teams. They've beaten Alabama. They beat Iowa State. They beat Oklahoma State. They came from a good conference. They had 
a streak where they hit some bumps in the road. They have a big time prospect, Tyler Hawkins. They have a good big man. Um, I think it's Tyler Hawkins. I'll just pull it up. I don't want to get the kid's name wrong. Let me pull it up real fast. He's a score. They say he can, is it? Maybe it's not Tyler. It's, it is Hawkins with a J. So I apologize, Hawkins. I don't know what your first name is. That's, let me pull it up. I feel bad now. Hawkins, UConn. They have a good big man as well. Their big man's really tough. They actually have two seven footers. Um, one's younger, and he is not as polished of a score. Their other is very polished of a score. They're one of the teams that can really score inside and outside. Jordan Hawkins, by the way. Jordan Hawkins. Sorry, I called him Tyler. My bad. Jordan Hawkins. Uh, those are my kind of teams to watch out for. I like UConn. I like their path. They can get by the first couple of games. They're going to be interesting and uh, a scary team. Kansas is going to have to run into Arkansas possibly in the second game. Oh gosh, that eight nine Illinois versus Arkansas. I don't. I would not want to play Arkansas second game of the tournament. That these eight and nine seeds are ridiculously tough. We got Arkansas, Illinois eight and nine. We got Iowa, Auburn eight nine. We have Maryland, West Virginia, which is probably the weakest of the eight nines. And then we have. By the way, Maryland's not bad either. They have a good transfer guard in that team. Eight nine Memphis FAU which is, oh boy, a very tough team for uh, Purdue to run into the next game. So I, I am very excited for the later rounds of this tournament as well. I think there's a lot of opportunity there, a lot of fun to be had. That's my March Madness. Quick what to look out for, quick recap kind of thing. Let's put it that way. If you guys want to uh, check out more, I'll, I'll let me know. I'll dive more into it as these rounds go by. It's uh, something I find to be wildly fun and an exciting time. And something where, uh, you know, it gives the little guy a fighting chance. That's what it's all about. We like to see anomalies. Oh, wouldn't that be crazy if this happened or that happened? Well, we got a lot of 64 chances to see that something wild happen. So that wraps up our our March Madness preview. Kept it short, sweet, under 15 minutes for you guys. Speed version. Uh, I know some of you guys are here for the actual performance stuff. So next, we're going to talk a little bit about sleep and recovery, specifically quality of sleep. So, so often people say, get sleep, get sleep, go to bed, go to bed. Well, what's quality of sleep? There's quantity and quality. Quality, if you have a metric, a metric device, you have a device that measures sleep metrics, you have things like uh, deep sleep, your REM sleep, and light sleep are kind of three stages. And a poor quality would be a huge amount of light sleep. There's actually percentages. I believe deep sleep should be somewhere between 20 to 10. Boy, I don't top my head. I don't remember this that very well. So I'm just giving out science that's not totally factually backed. Point is, you should have some distribution that is normal for the amount of deep sleep you get relative to light sleep. Now, for myself, I used to wake up all the time in the middle of the night. I thought it was very normal. I used to get a plugged nose. I couldn't breathe routinely for six years, high, late high school, college. Now, sleeping with my, my wife, now wife, girlfriend at the time, and she's like, why, why don't you try a nasal strip? You keep waking up. Why do you wake up? Is it because your nose is plugged? Try a nasal strip. I was like, what's a nasal strip? Like the guys football players wear? She's like, yeah, go get one. As I wear one right now, actually, because I just woke up to this podcast. And it was life-changing. I have a deviated septum. A deviated septum I broke in high school when I was a junior, maybe, sophomore. Got undercut shooting a layup. Made the layup. Made the free throw after. Probably concussed, by the way have a vague memory of the whole game. Don't remember the shooting the ball on the lip attempt. Somehow went in. Great finish. Super athlete. What can I say? 
and uh, it hasn't healed. So like when we did uh, the COVID testing, I had to stick that nasal strip, not nasal strip, the cotton swab up my nose and it would get basically caught in my nasal cavity because there was a bend in it or some sort of a closed cavern. The nasal strip, life changer. I haven't woken up. I shouldn't say haven't. I rarely wake up in the middle of the night because of something in my nose. I used to wake up two, three times a night, even short amounts, because my nose would get plugged. But now I got a nasal strip. Oh my gosh. Life changer. Sleep quality through the roof. Performance augmenting, enhancing, sleep enhancing. I don't wake up drowsy, groggy because I didn't sleep good quality because of my nose. I get them from Walmart. Costco, you know, the basic places, extra strength, nasal strip. Awesome. Had to share it with you guys because it's one of the best sleep hacks I've had in a long time. Very, you forget it's on. The only thing is sometimes it leaves like a residue on your nose. So just make sure you wash your nose before you leave the house kind of deal. Because if you had the residue on there and you blow your nose, then you'll have Kleenex stuck to your nose and little bits of things stuck to your nose. It's not what you signed up for, I guess. So the nasal strip can be so nice for sleep. Um, when it comes to other aspects of sleep quality, you know, you have the sleep routine. Are you going to bed at the same time within the same window you normally go to bed? Do you have a dark environment, a quiet environment, minimizing blue light? Is it cold enough, not super hot? Are you able to mitigate extraneous noises? Maybe a wire, oh, you know, what was it? A fan for some white noise. All those can really help. Pillow, bed. The bed's been a game changer. We spent the money to get a nice bed. I used to, I had a torn labor in my left shoulder. I sleep on my side and it'll go numb sometimes and it used to hurt a lot. Never. I have this hybrid Tempur-Pedic bed. Whoa. It's amazing. Sleep is where you recover. And you should cherish that and take, you know, not honor in it, but take some responsibility and doing what you can to get yourself in the best situation. And then lastly, by the way, speaking of putting yourself in good situations and recovering and performing, I really want to talk about dieting and the purpose of dieting. A little life experience with you all. I had been losing weight. I'm not very heavy when I started losing weight. I was 236, something like that. It's pretty heavy. It's one of the heaviest I've ever been. I had a higher body fat percentage by a good amount. Very noticeable. And I dropped down to... Now I'm like 218, 220. And I floated around this weight. And you could see in the mirror how much it's changed. I have obliques again. And some ab veins are back. And you have... You can count all your six packs again. You can see your serratus interior. Kind of shredded again a little bit. Not hugely shredded. But... Oh, the the diet debacle. When you start to get there, you're like, well, you know, I could lose a little bit more. I'd like to see my shoulders a little bit more. I'd like to do that a little bit more. And the minute you start walking down a path where you start to diet for the sake of aesthetics, and your goal is not aesthetics, your goal is performance, you're going to be in a pickle. And I find this out every time and time again. I accidentally start cutting out carbs. I start missing meals. And, you know, I kind of justify it. Oh, you know. Yeah, but it's for the abs. It's for the, the lower body fat percentage. 
And then my training starts to suffer. Things start to hurt. It always happens. Things start to hurt when I start to eat less. And probably because there's less to go around. It's a big stressor to be losing body fat percentage. And when you're loading your body with weights, you're also applying a stressor. And it's just kind of a combined stressor party where you have to recover and adapt from it. And that's not always the most fun and nor easy to do. And so remembering that if you're dieting for performance or are you dieting at all, what's the purpose? Are you fueling your workouts? For me, I work out in the morning. I forgot to eat carbs in the morning as much as I should have been. My workouts suffer. I eat carbs in the morning before I work out. I can work out for hours. Great workouts. Amazing workouts. Why? I'm fueling for my workout. Makes sense. Duh. Don't be silly, Max. It's pretty obvious, but you know, you kind of let things slide a little bit. Not like one day I cut out carbs intentionally, nor did I totally. It was more like a aspect of slowly reducing them. And, you know, maybe that cup of two cups of rice became a cup and three-fourths, and that cup and three-fourths became a cup and a half, then a cup and a fourth, and just one cup. Now, it was a big hefty scoop of that one cup, though, so I justified it. And the inverse is true, I'm sure, for some people when it comes to dieting and eating food and, you know, the extra chip, the two chips, the bag of chips, the two bags of chips kind of ordeal. It's the relative advancements of relative progression. So imagine that there's like a standard error that when we do something, or we just accept. Let's say it's a 10% error. So if I go and do something and anything above 10% is noticeable. So I go do something and I eat 10 of whatever. I could eat 11 or 9, 10% air on either side, which 10 is the norm. And I wouldn't notice. But if I keep eating 11 and 11 and 11, slowly my norm shifts to 11, but it's not detected. And then I eat 12. And again, that I can actually eat 12.1 technically because that's 10% of 11. And then that's not detected. So I eat and I eat and I eat. And then that's my new norm. And the next thing you know, I'm now eating, you know, another 10%, another 10%. And it slowly starts to build. You never notice. Our system has a standard error to it. And we're not very fine-tuned. And that's probably good. Not going to be crazy and neurotic about, can I have another slice of pizza? At least naturally, in an evolutionary terms, you're not going to be. But when we keep having this normative value get pushed and moved and manipulated intentionally or unintentionally, then we have the situation where we are increasing so far away. We're now originally, originally we were at 10 and now we're at 20, hundred percent change. We didn't notice at one time because we did it in these small increments. I'm sure that is a cascading effect that can occur. Point is have a purpose. Understand your purpose and remember that purpose and don't get sidetracked by the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish like myself. Well, that's what I did. And it kind of screwed me up. So with pizza abound and March Madness on, enjoy yourself, have fun, sleep well because you might be stressed about your games and tune into some of the ones I pointed out. I think I did some good uh, I have some good calls there. I'm interested in some of the the outcomes, obviously, and I hope you guys are excited to check the games out as well. And uh, 
something a little different. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, let me know, by the way. It's, I appreciate you all and the feedback, as always. So thank you. Take care. And uh, peace out.